Sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. Middle of the day, Alfred? Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle of the base hit! Meeting in the middle. Fight, fight. They fought for the freedom of middle. 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 The middle of the middle of the middle. The middle of a war. Freaking ridiculous. Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No, not the middle seat. Hello, everyone, and welcome back, back, B A C K, to the Middle Seats Podcast, the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. I'm your host and the leader of this circus, Andrew Ojay. Now let's meet the rest of the clowns that are running around here on the Middle Seats Podcast. Here we go. Here we go. He's capable of putting a smile on your face at any time. Mr. Nate Longarini. <laughs> I guarantee you my roses are real flowers and not acid spraying ones. Mm. Cough, cough, Jake, cough. <laughs> Honk your red nose, Nate. Honk it. Beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> uh, I'm having second thoughts about this. This is really mean. I just wrote he's a clown, so I'm not even going to say it. Hi, Jake. What's up? Yeah, there it is. You've done worse. I've been calling myself a clown for years. I don't I don't really take offense to it. It's fine. Right. Anyway, you know us probably. If you don't, welcome back to the Middle Seeds Podcast or welcome for joining us for the first time. We are the best seat in the house for movies and entertainment and everything else that you could possibly want out of life. We'll have life advice and everything else like that. Yada, yada, yada. Our show typically is divided into three separate segments. Um, we usually talk about the topic of the week. Then we get into the biggest news items of the week. Then we have a featured review. Because it's been so long, I think we're going to kind of have a different podcast today. And what I mean by that is we'll have a, bit, a little bit of looking back. We'll be looking forward to something exciting we'll be doing in the winter. And we'll still have our feature review, even though it is a little bit of looking back. But we wanted to give you guys enough time to see Todd Phillips' Joker before we dive deep into it. So we're very, very excited to finally be touching on that one. There are various time codes in the description below if you want to know specifically what part you're listening to and what you want to do if you want to skip ahead. There's a lot to get into. First of all, guys, how are you? How are you doing? Live and well. <laughs> I think we're doing all right. Just all right? Yeah, I mean, we all, we took a bit of a nap for a few months, but it's good to be back and talking about really one of two things that I know how to talk about, so I'm eager and I'm excited. What's the second thing? Uh, probably just running. Movies and oh. running. Anything else, I'm pretty much an amateur. Is that your fine dining and breathing? Yeah, no. If I were to go out on a date and they talked about anything other than movies or running, I would just listen and be like, yeah, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. So, You know what would be nuts if you were just on a date and you just got up from the table and was like, you want to see me run? And then you just sprinted to go get like a salad. <laughs> that sounds like a scene straight out of Forrest Gump. Doesn't it? Yeah. Because I'm a clown, I might do that. And I actually was Forrest Gump for Halloween, so well done, Nate. Aha. Mm. I think it was more than a nap, Jake. I think we were kind of in a coma. Bit of, you a, agree, Nate? Bit, of a, bit of a slumber. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely in a coma. My big update is that I'm participating in No Shave November, which is an event that raises money for cancer research. But my neck is itchy. I am not <laughs> used to this much of my beard down here. You sure there's no, like, little bugs hanging out in there? Mm -hmm. That's always what I'm worried uh, about when you have a long beard. That's what I was trying to say, though. Like, talk about a coma. I look like I've been asleep for a century and a half with the scruff that I got <laughs> on my cheeks. Like, rugged is putting it too gently, I think. I think so, too. But you know what? You're kind of a sleeping beauty type, I think. Not that I watch you sleep lately. But I think you're just kind of the sleeping beauty type, whereas Jake is more of the... He wakes up and he looks like old Kate Winslet from Titanic. Oh, yeah. I, I have to shower in the morning, one, because it wakes me up, but two, because I look, I really do look like I just woke up. I can't wake up and walk out the door. It's a disaster. Yeah. Oh, man. Good to hear from you guys. I'm glad that the Middle Seeds faithful, the Middle Seedies, I guess, is what we've never called them before, but we're calling them now. <laughs> yeah, what is that? Get I that out of here. <laughs> <laughs> the Seedsters? I think that's canceled immediately. Seedsters yeah. is better. I actually like Seedsters better. The, the seat supremes. <laughs> the seat supremes. The A-list. Good lord. AMC is going to sue. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <Nate's> over this. <laughs> now that we have kind of given you a little bit of a life update, let's give you a little bit of a movie update. Get on with it. Yes, get on with it. So the last thing that you guys heard us talk about is Guy Ritchie's Aladdin. And it has been several months and several high-profile releases have come out since then. 
And obviously, we don't have all day. We want to get to Joker as soon as possible. So here's what we're going to do. We're each going to go around and briefly talk about a peak and a pit of the last couple of months of movies. A movie we really enjoyed and we want to talk about and give a little bit of love to, and a movie that we felt like we had to roast just a little bit here on the mic while we have this opportunity. A little bit or a lot of bit? <laughs> yeah, you know, go as ham as you want. Go green eggs and ham on it, but like... My movie's getting roasted real hard. Uh, all right, well, I guess Jake's first. So, Jake, what's your peak and what is your pit of the last few um, months? So. I'll start with with the low. We actually recorded one about Godzilla and Dark Phoenix, and it's just, it was probably my computer's fault. My computer's very old. Or it could have been Dark Phoenix's fault. I'm willing to blame that for anything. Honestly, probably. Regardless, uh, the best way I can describe it is that scene in The Office when Michael Scott and Stanley get into it, and Stanley goes like, everything you do, I would do the opposite way. That is how I felt about <laughs> watching Dark Phoenix. Everything they did, I would have done differently. Every decision they made, every plot device, character arc, I was like, no, and no again, no again. The difference between me giving a movie like a low rating to a bottom rating lies in the emotion. So I, Dark Phoenix left me angry and pissed. And <laughs> God, like there were story arcs that didn't make any sense. Characters showed up with, with like Magneto goes to, uh, goes after Jean Grey with no sort of plan after she already overpowered him. Aliens randomly show up that could have been cut out of the movie completely. Like, they treat Professor X like he's an idiot. I just, I, I could not deal with any single minute of that movie. It, it was so draining watching that. I agree, 100%. <laughs> yeah. That movie made me so tired. The best part about it was that it wasn't over an hour 45. That's the best part about that movie. Yeah. It's like when you hand your second grader, like, a stencil, and you just see what they draw, and then they're like, ta-da! And it's like, they spelled their name backwards, and it's, it's just a mess. <laughs> you know what I used to do? I used to just draw a big, giant scribble and tell people it was a tornado. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we got a true You would be the lazy artist there, Chief. Come on. Because <laughs> I, I can't draw. Um, so yeah, that's my low. Completely hated Dark Phoenix, my least favorite movie of the year so far. And then for my high... Quentin Tarantino and his Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was definitely different than I expected, but I saw it twice. What a fun ride. Tarantino can direct pretty much anything. So, I mean, we can all agree Once Upon a Time was fun, right? Absolutely. I had a lot of fun with it, at least. Amen. I could have just watched DiCaprio and Pitt hang out and go about their paths and journeys. Especially Brad Pitt. He stole that movie. He was so much fun. I agree. At two hours and 45 minutes, and I'm like, I could, I could chill an extra hour and hang with these guys. Yeah, you know what's weird about that is that his movies are so, like, plot-driven a lot of the time. And this was just a hangout until you get into the third act, really. Yeah. It takes a lot of patience. And I, I agree, Jake, a second viewing really helped it a lot. I thought once you take away those preconceived expectations of what you have, what you think a Tarantino movie is going to be like, it's just so much fun. I think two of the best performances ever by these two legends. DiCaprio and Pitt have borderline never been better than they have here. I mean, you would know better. You make all those lists that I don't make, but I hope both of them get nominated. I hope the movie itself um, gets some nominations. I know its last 25 minutes is pretty violent. They're also some of the most fun I've had in theaters in the last year and a half. Right, exactly. <laughs> I know it was violent, but like so is all of his other movies. <laughs> so right. <laughs> it's never stopped anybody before. It just it rewards the patience that the audience takes and you realize – in that last 25 minutes or so, and I still don't want to spoil what that is because right. there are some people that are probably still going to discover it around Oscar season. The things that they've set up earlier in the movie come back in a big, big way, and I think you guys know probably exactly one prop that I'm directly referring the to. The big one. Yeah. <laughs> so fun. Yeah, but absolutely, I co-signed both of those things, I would say. Nate, go ahead. All right, so I'm feeling kind of upbeat today, so I think I'm going to start with my high first. Um, and it's actually very, very recent. Dr. Sleep just came out. And if you're unaware, it is the sequel to The Shining. I think the official title is Dr. Sleep MD. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the clown. Okay. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but yeah. It's a cool concept because the Stephen King book has its own sequel, Dr. Sleep. But this is very much a sequel to the movie, The Shining, which is very different from the book, The Shining. Uh, all things said and done. As a phenomenal cast, uh, Ian McGregor is obviously the big one as the main character, but Rebecca Ferguson is getting a lot of love, and justifiably so, as the villain. She's a lot of fun. She's not dumb, and she's not completely evil in the best ways. 
combine that all with some really cool imagery, some some fun horror tropes, absolutely. But I definitely would describe it more as a dark fantasy, which I kind of waited for reviewers to tell me that it was before jumping to see it, because if you're not familiar, Resident Scaredy Cat here. <laughs> was not going to see a horror movie if I didn't have to. This wasn't quite there, and I loved it for it. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised that that was your positive pick. I've actually, I've missed Dr. Sleep so far, and I'm disappointed. I want to get to it. I'm just picturing Nate just constantly hitting refresh when the embargo is <laughs> supposed to be up to just see the, what the reviews say. Please don't qualify as horror. Please don't qualify as horror. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. I would call it more of a drama, to be it's honest. It's close, yeah. I mean, there is some thriller elements, don't get me wrong, and there's definitely some freaky supernatural stuff going on, but it very much is about the aftermath of the trauma mm. of what happened in The Shining. And I think it does a really nice – Ewan McGregor is excellent, but I agree. Rebecca Ferguson steals this movie. She is so good and so charismatic. She's kind of like a human Pennywise, and it makes <laughs> sense they're both from Stephen King because she very much is – you know, she's alluring and she's charming, but you know there's something sinister there underneath there. absolutely is. <laughs> All in all, I just thought it was a great, great movie. I'm hoping that it gets a little bit more box office buzz and a little bit more critical buzz because I thoroughly enjoyed it. We thought it was going to win the weekend, and now it's fighting John Cena as a fireman mm. for, like, third uh, and fourth place. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think we'd talk about that movie. Right, that's the most we're talking about that movie. <laughs> what was your low point, Nate? All right. My low, uh, already alluded to, but way back when, Jake and I bugged out over Godzilla King of the Monsters trailer. And we were like, oh, my God, we're eight years old again. Oh, we yeah. brought out the action figures. It's just going to be monster mayhem. And we were so pumped for the movie. But the monster battles were cool. Everything else in between was trash. The human characters, just like the original yeah. Godzilla, were the most boring aspects of the movie, in my opinion. And the human characters this time around, especially the villains, were just so dumb we're talking like not even saturday morning cartoons sunday morning cartoons bad you know <laughs> oh when everybody's at church <laughs> exactly like that's when you that's when you put on the ones that no one even remembers the names or the theme songs it's just, <laughs> it had so much promise and there are really cool moments but literally every cool shot is in the trailer and you can just watch the trailer with yeah. like your own sound effects attached and that's that's the best part of the movie and i was so disappointed that it wasn't better than what it was i hope those audio files leak one day it'll be like watergate because you'll just hear how incensed and angry i was it was a therapy yeah. session that was not <laughs> yeah. a review that was a therapy session you guys talked me off the ledge like king kong on the top of the empire state building i was very disappointed too and i remember when that trailer came out thinking wow thank god it came out in 2019 and not like 2004 because my poor parents would have heard nothing but me talk about that trailer <laughs> but yeah that was that was pretty disappointing i was pretty bummed about that i hated dark phoenix more but godzilla was more of a disappointment because i actually had hope for godzilla yeah they they both can suck they're right next to each other <laughs> but i hated godzilla more too like it's not good when the obese lizard is the most smart character in your movie yeah <laughs> and i mean like there are some nice like wallpaper-esque visuals and we've talked about that in detail when we talked about the trailer but those are really the big money shots and i thought a lot of the other action was kind of hit and miss and then there definitely wasn't anything going on in the story that i was happy with yeah no. maybe those will, those will have to leak one day because we went hard on that movie yeah my my favorite part was when nate found out that one actress was playing twins because andrew looked it up on wikipedia yeah like you would have oh, yeah. never known <laughs> that was the craziest bit like there's just a random set of twins in the movie played by the same person and they never address it Not so even you just think that it's the same character teleporting <laughs> from one scene to another and you're like wow they move really quickly in this universe nope two different characters yeah yeah but you would like, never know what? so funny <laughs> the power of awful editing Ugh. Mm -hmm. let me preface mine let me say that this is going to be not my favorite movie that's come out or my least favorite movie that's come out but it's kind of a where andrew was right and where Andrew was wrong kind of thing. Where Andrew was wrong is actually on the positive side. I had my doubts about Toy Story 4 because Toy Stories 1, 2, and 3 are some of my favorite movies ever, and Toy Story 3 has one of the best endings to a trilogy that I think you could ever accomplish, 
Yeah. So why would we go back to the well? It turns out that they know more than me. Shocking, right. I know. Right. Because Pixar have to be pretty smart people. <laughs> While Toy Story 4 is the worst of the four movies, I don't even like saying worst. It's like a 3.8 GPA next to 4.0s, basically. It is still a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful film and another pitch-perfect ending. Yeah. And I don't want them to go back again, but I'm done doubting Pixar on this specific franchise because clearly they won't push it if they don't have a story worth telling. Yeah, I also feel like, again, they're smarter than than me and, like you said, smarter than you, but I feel like Toy Story 4 was a, was a really definitive ending. I can't really even think about where... Like, they've done some that character arc and the messages that they go or that mm-hmm. they get to. I can't even imagine what they could possibly do next, but like you said, they've proved us wrong a couple times now, so... The movie's a little bit of a paradox to me because, on one hand, I agree. The story is very well told, and... In Isolation would be one of my favorite animated movies of the year, if not my favorite animated movie of the year. Um, But I think just as a whole, something just doesn't sit right with how unimportant Andy becomes as a figure in the grand scheme of things. Because there's that whole handoff scene in Toy Story 3, which is beautiful. Which annihilated me emotionally. But yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, But then this movie is a lot about how Bonnie grows apart from Woody within like a couple months of the meeting. And I feel like it's hard to watch that ending knowing that the relationship that's so important to that three's ending doesn't actually end up mattering that much, you know? But I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. And we cannot, we cannot deep dive this yeah, right yeah, now. Sorry. But I would say <laughs> Toy Story 4 is very interesting in how it becomes like a reflection of the self. Yeah. Woody was important to Andy. And Andy and Woody's relationship was so important that he's fulfilled his purpose already. And it's time for him to go and find another journey, I think, is that movie's message overall. And I, I that's what I appreciated. There were more stories to tell. I just didn't realize it. Absolutely. I think it's... It might be a little bit of expectations on my part, but I don't want to seem like I'm a Debbie Downer on it because I'm not. I think it was more equivalent of drinking a soda that started as like a Coke or a Pepsi and halfway through turned into Dr. Pepper. Still good, just not what I started drinking, if that makes sense. Weird mm-hmm. analogies aside. Good movie. <laughs> the, yeah, the middle season podcast is not sponsored by Coke, for the record. <laughs> or Pepsi. Or Pepsi. We'll take either, though. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening. There we go. <laughs> Toy Story 4, the low mark of the franchise with a horrible 98% of Rotten Tomatoes. Please check it out if you haven't already. Um, here's where I was right, and we're on the low side of things. And this is not just me, because Nathaniel Longarini was also right. And Jake, eh, we'll let you tag along, but I don't think you were as strong on this one. The new Lion King. It is exactly what I thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. which is... A bad idea in concept. The same exact movie, just longer, somehow. Don't know how that's possible. I yeah, guess. I, that was confusing. <laughs> yeah, you add like 30 seconds of a Especially new Beyonce song. Especially when you song. cut the songs. Yeah, oh, you cut I'm the... Getting, I'm getting angry already. You cut the songs, you add a new Beyonce song, like kind of, not really. You change details just to change them slightly. Like singing Can You Feel the Love Tonight during the day. We, I mean, that's been detailed and memed already all over the place. But my big thing was... The expressions and the emotions and the colors of the original Lion King completely sapped out of this because, and we said this earlier, lions cannot smile. They cannot smile. They cannot frown because they are lions, and all they do is eat caribou and poop in the Sahara. I said that from day freaking one. As soon as they announced that this was photorealistic. Oh, my goodness. And guess what? You were right, Nadine. Yeah, and I honestly, I was the sucker. I was like, wow, the graphics look amazing. They're going to keep the story. I don't know, guys. This could be a good one. And you both were like, Pfft. And I hate to be cynical about this. I do. I really do. I wanted to like it. I just didn't. I didn't. And I don't think I was alone. It's rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. It did well at the box office. It did and, very well. But, but Let's co- not kid Let's not also but. not forget that I don't think it held as well as it could have. You know what I mean? Like, it had a huge opening. And then after that, I would love to see the drops. And Nate is very analytical with that stuff. He can go into that later and tell me. It's on your screen now if you're watching this on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Very Aladdin-y of you. Super fancy. But yeah, not a fan of the new Lion King. 
Yeah, I, I thought it was fine. Like, I enjoyed myself watching it, but like, we all know the plot of Lion King. When Mufasa dies, instead of Simba screaming and crying, no, we see a lion kind of just... Staring blankly at a screen, yeah. Yeah, moving mm-hmm. its mouth, saying no. It's just not the... You don't get the same emotional impact. The visuals are unbelievable, but coincidentally, the visuals being beautiful actually hurt the story in a weird way that you guys called and I wasn't expecting. Um, I still enjoyed it fine. Like, I like the original Lion King, therefore I enjoyed this this one. It's almost the same, almost the same story. But yeah, there's just something to it that was missing, and I think you guys nailed it. If I say it much more, I'm just going to go into a long 20-minute rant. So I'm going to just say... <laughs> so that'll be it. <laughs> my, my last thing, how dare they make the Scars song short? You know, it's not even a it's not even a song. It's slam poetry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love my bad guy songs. Be prepared is so freaking cool, visually stunning, and it was just yeah. Scar's gonna walk around in the dark, talking to other hyenas. The beat's gonna kick in, and then the scene's gonna change. What? Yeah, the that, hell? that was the other thing. Like for the musical numbers, you if you're being realistic about it, you're not gonna have all this green smoke sending him through the air, and you're not gonna have. I just can't wait to be king. Where a lion's running on top of a giraffe's neck. Because you want to yeah. be realistic. So you lose all those fun components. Yeah. Almost every element of downgrade. Really like Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen. Yeah. Good for them. Uh, good for, yeah, especially good for Billy Eichner. Uh, he deserves it. But everything else, not a big fan. So that's the best we could do of boiling down several months of movies. There's a lot of other movies we couldn't even touch on. Spider-Man, It Chapter 2. We'll maybe reference them later in the year when we do our best and worst of. You never know. But anyway... We are done now with looking back. Now let's look forward to a little bit of fun that we're going to be having here. Let's talk about something that we like to call here at the Middle Seats, the box office challenge. Let's make some money! All you care about is money. The box office disaster. Money, money, money. So this is a game I've been playing with my friends since high school. Uh, It was something that I thought would be fun to do because you watch everybody playing fantasy football and fantasy baseball and fantasy basketball, and I do that stuff too. But I know my friend Nate, he doesn't like the sports ball too much. So I thought it would be fun (laughs) for the movie people to have their own kind of fantasy draft to say. Basically, this is how it works. There is a pool of dozens of movies that are coming out. We go around like a fantasy football draft would be and take teams Whoever makes the most money at the end of the winter season is the winner and so on and so forth for second place and third place. So you build your teams, you track them throughout the year, and you just chart to see how they do box office wise. It's not a movie quality game where we're like, oh, how many Oscar nominations or what's the Rotten Tomato critical consensus going to be? This is strictly money. So you need to take your personal feelings and put them aside. So we're going to be all winter long updating you on how our teams are doing. Yeah, you would be smart to draft something like Transformers over, unfortunately, Ladybird because money matters in this game. Yeah, that's a good example. Mm-hmm. That's, that is a huge difference in money example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. money, money over quality. Yeah, that's about yeah. the best I could think of. <laughs> so we already drafted the teams off mic uh, about a week or two ago. Uh, Nate's got the team in front of him. He'll tell you how he calculates and who has what. Alrighty, so I'm going to be the data guy for the box office draft here. Basically, what we did was we had a pool of 24 movies in between November and March. And we're going to be calculating these totals up through the second weekend of April. Each of us had to make five picks. We started with Andrew, then Nate, then Jake, and we went in snake order. So Jake got the third and fourth pick, and then we swung back around. Every week, we will have the opportunity to do some trades. And we'll go over the trade rules later, but just for hard numbers now, these are the teams. So leading Drew's team, he picked, obviously, Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, because Andrew's predictable. He's no fun. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> I'd like it to be on the record that I did not ask to be the first pick. That would be a really petty thing. I could have played the alphabetical card, but I didn't. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, what was me? I got Star Wars. Stop, stop making fun of me. Well, either way, Star Wars for the box office newbie will make a crap ton of money no matter how you slice it. Even Last Jedi, which was audience split in terms of uh, ratings and whatnot, 
still made $600 million. Yes. Right. Uh, if on an average, for easy numbers, a movie will make $100 million. So Star Wars made six times that. Yeah. And let's specify here, domestic. We are talking about just in the United States. Right. That yes. is important. Yes, that's a good point. Because some movies do better overseas than others. Like Transformers do unbelievable overseas, as do Fast and What Furious. is with you and Transformers today? I don't know. <laughs> Nobody's thought about those movies in a year and a half. Yeah, that's my bad. Sorry. <laughs> so rounding out the rest of Drew's team is Charlie's Angels, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Godzilla vs. Kong, and A Quiet Place Part 2. So tough team to beat. Damn straight. But I think I can round it out. My first pick was Frozen 2. And just like superhero movies and Star Wars movies, if you're a box office newbie, here's a big tip for you. Animated movies make bank because families bring everyone to see them and they're in theaters forever. So Frozen 2 is my first pick and I rounded out with DC's Birds of Prey, the Harley Quinn movie, uh, The King's Man, Mulan, and Ford versus Ferrari. Another, another solid team. Ford v. Ferrari, Dawn of Justice. <laughs> uh, and then we have Jake who did get the benefit of the snake draft. Uh, he picked... Jumanji Next Level, which was a breakout hit. Yeah, I didn't even care for the first one, but it made so much money that it pissed me off. So I was like, I'm not doubting that again. So <laughs> yeah. I picked that up. Absolutely. We'll see if the sequel holds out for you. His next pick was Onward, the upcoming Pixar movie, which stands to make a good chunk of change itself. Let's go. Tom Holland, Chris Pratt. Uh, rounding out the rest of Jake's team is Knives Out. 1917, and everyone's favorite trailer, Cats. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Taylor Swift's posse. Get me the money. <laughs> so um, without going through all of them, because that would take too long, uh, a couple notable things on the sidelines that could be traded for. You have Bad Boys for Life, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, Spies in Disguise. All right, so those are the teams Updates to come. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see it on your screen. Uh, but if you are a audio listener, we'll definitely have updates on Facebook and Twitter, all our social media, where you can follow the progress there. Gonna get heated, boys, because there definitely will be a punishment for the loser. Mm. Yeah, and we will update you on a final punishment in the near future when we decide really how, how big of babies or how tough we want to be. But it will be fun, that's for certain. I don't know if anybody's going to take the SATs, which is a pretty classic punishment for drafts, but it'll be pretty bad. It'll be unpleasant for sure. You love that one. You bring that on up every time. I thought that was one of the funniest things I had ever heard. Somebody lost a fantasy football draft at like 25 or 6 years old, and they had to go take the SAT as a punishment. Yeah. I just – I was cackling when I first read that. It was so like, funny. Did they have to get a certain score or could they just go I think and they just had D to go for do every it. answer? It's just a waste of money. <laughs> it's so funny. A waste of time. Yeah. Six hours, you're never going to Because it's back. always a Saturday morning too. Yeah, I was cracking up. There's crazy stuff like that. So we're probably mm -hmm. going to make ours movies based, but. We should make people watch foreign films with no subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so confusing. Depending on the movie, that could either be amazing or terrible. A really, yeah. really long one. So obviously we've been playing this game for a long time just with our inner circle of friends. It's a lot of fun. We talk about it all year long. It's it's something we look forward to. So we're happy to bring you guys into the fray. I hope you guys get involved and maybe start it with your own friends. But uh, we're, we're going to charge if you do it with your own friends, just so you know. I need to TM this before it becomes a big thing. Right, take the bet. That is on audio recording right now. So there you go. That will do it here for our house cleaning. So we looked back a little bit. We're looking forward to something fun. Now let's live in the present, gentlemen. Let's talk about Joker. He don't listen to you. He just asks the same questions every week. Do you have any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. People are starting to notice. You think this is funny? <laughs> uh, Murray, one small thing. Can you introduce me as Joker? Send in the clown. That was a piece of the trailer for Joker, which, by the way, I thought had two very, very good trailers. And it made someone who was skeptical, like myself, a little bit more excited for it. 
Uh, it was directed by Todd Phillips, who before this point was best known for the Hangover trilogy and Old School and War Dogs and movies like that. It stars Joaquin Phoenix. It's a standalone adventure. So it's completely different from the DCEU. It doesn't take place in any kind of universe. It's a standalone story about how one man, Arthur Fleck, became what we understand to be the Joker, although it is a very different Joker than ones we've had in the past, played by iconic performers like Mark Hamill, Jack Nicholson, of course Heath Ledger, Cesar Romero with his painted-over mustache. There's a lot of iterations of the Joker, We've never quite seen one like this. This has been a massive hit. It's almost made a billion dollars. It will probably already have a billion dollars by the time you listen to this. That's crazy. Uh, At this point, it's $986 million worldwide. It's a massive hit. What is it at domestically? Domestically, it's at 313. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. People are split on this one. The people that love this movie really love it. And then the people that don't, have a lot to say about it. Regardless, everybody has a lot to say about it. We'll have a lot to say about it here. Let's start with Jake Hensler. Jake, what did you think of Joker? <laughs> I see what you're doing. I, all um, I did was toss. That's so all I, I think I think we can all agree Joaquin Phoenix was unbelievable. He was outstanding. So we all started out skeptical on this movie, and it's actually pretty funny. When, we, when this was announced, we said the only person we can see playing the Joker other than Heath Ledger is Joaquin Phoenix. And then they cast him, and we all went, oh, okay, all right, good move, I see you. And it certainly proved to be a good move, because Joaquin Phoenix was outstanding, but I'm one of those people who, I enjoy the Joker a lot more than I thought I did, like, a lot more. I thought it was pretty great. I, I thought it had a lot of interesting things to say about uh, society and mental illness, well-directed in the sense that it is, it is dark, and although the violence is a little few and far between, it's not consistent like a horror movie, when it happens, you feel it, and it is... It is effective. It is jarring. When I really react to something, like my hands over my mouth, or I feel myself clutching something, or my shoulders kind of dip down, you're getting a reaction out of me. And I felt all of that. And I think start to finish, it was just overall very well done. Not a perfect movie, but I found myself enjoying it really quite a bit more than I thought I would. Nate, we had a discussion about this weeks ago, but I forget where you land on it. So I'm very curious to hear what comes out of your mouth right this second. Pineapples. Oh, I like it. <laughs> Un- unpredictable uh, like the Joker himself. Yeah. We're going to cut the rest of your review out. That will be the only thing you say in this podcast <laughs> about, the Joker, on the about Joker. Joker. <laughs> nah, uh, all right. So uh, I will start with Jake's affirmation at the beginning there. Joaquin Phoenix absolutely sold this movie. He did a fantastic job in the role in a way that I don't think any other actor could have pulled off. Yeah, I really don't like, think anybody else could have done it. I think when we initially reacted to the trailers to this, I was really intrigued on how we're essentially doing an art house superhero movie. Now that said, having watched the movie, this is a movie that really tries to shed almost every aspect of the superhero genre it can from itself. And I think for the story it's trying to tell, that was important to it. But there are definitely times where it feels like a completely different movie just with a, for lack of a better term, Joker paint job on it, you know? There's a lot of similarities to a lot of other dark, not quite anti-hero, but just like bad person kind of movies. And the movie promised that it would make you think about society and yourself and like your dark side and whatnot. And I think... What this movie illuminated for me was basically the fact that I don't like this type of movie. I think this is well made for what it wanted to be, but it just doesn't fit my taste. I don't enjoy watching a bad character continue to do worse and worse things over the course of a movie. I think Joaquin did an amazing job as that role, but I just wasn't really engaged in the story at any point. Overall... I will be positive on it, but I'm not looking for this type of movie all the time, and I'm definitely not going to look for this movie a whole lot more. I get that. I actually, I agree. I wouldn't want, I hope not a lot of movies try to emulate this, because I don't think it would go well. I think the big thing for me is that it does feel like kind of an emulation on its own. I think that was one of the bigger problems I have with it. I just spent all that time setting up the extremes of people. There are people that are obsessed with this film. 
there are people going to the Bronx and like dancing on the stairs cases <laughs> in like surprised. a terrible part of the neighborhood. They have been told not to do this, but they love this movie so much that in like 30 degrees, they are going to dance to the song that I knew to be a part of like sports stadiums before this. Yeah. Movie. Like they played it at New Jersey Devils games. And now it's a, like apparently a big association with the Joker. People love this movie. People also really hate this movie. It is a war online that we have not seen since probably Star Wars The Last Jedi. And I kind of sit somewhere in the middle where I think this movie is okay to mediocre. It's in that middle section for me. And it feels like I need to like guard myself saying that because of how things have developed with the mystique of this movie. And I'll get into why. I think there's going to be a lot that I agree with with Jake, and I think there's going to be a lot that I agree with Nate. First of all, I'm going to sound like a broken record. Joaquin Phoenix is the front runner for best actor. Yeah, he better at least get nominated. I, I think there's no shot he doesn't get nominated, especially since the movie is a hit. He's chilling. He's raw. It's unbelievably physical. Absolutely. How, yeah. how we people lose weight for roles. He looks gross. <laughs> he looks disgusting. He looks sickly. And the way he uses that sickliness for physicality and physical comedy and sadistic movements, it is a very, very credible performance of a person who only has one foot in the realm of insanity. I think it works as a character study. I don't think it works as a Joker movie, and I don't think it works as this big, broader exploration of darkness and mental health that people really want it to be. It really didn't work that way because all I kept thinking of was a much more gifted and maybe subtle kind of director could have made a masterpiece out of this. And I just don't buy into Todd Phillips as that director. I don't. And I'll get into why later. But a lot of the times it just felt like Taxi Driver Light to me or Fight Club Light. These are movies that have done similar things much better in my opinion. But overall, I think it really, really works if you just look at Arthur himself. But anytime you go beyond that, it's kind of a mess, in my opinion. I think we're going to have a good discussion in spoilers. I think we are too. <laughs> um, yeah. There's only so much we can talk about before spoilers. Um, and I would say one of, one of the things is if you didn't know or recognize Joaquin Phoenix as one of our finer actors, you do now. Yeah. I don't know how that would be possible, but yeah, he's been he's been great since Gladiator, maybe before that. He's just been, you know, maybe if you're not a movie buff and you don't see some of his smaller things, you everybody knows who he is right now. I don't know if there's anybody else who could have played this. Yeah, it's a different type of charisma because yeah. like Drew was saying earlier, there's the physicality of it. There's the way he contorts his back, his arms, his face into these really creepy shots. And to Todd Phillips' acclaim here, there are some really cool stylized shots, like when he's really going through his Joker transformations. Like there's the really popular one from the trailer where he's in like just the bottom inches of the frame looking up towards the ceiling that are just really creepy to watch on screen. It mm -hmm. looks like you're watching a very sadistic ballet with just Joaquin Phoenix moving around the room and contorting his body in all these weird ways. It's something that a talented actor can pull off, and not everyone is a talented actor in the way that Joaquin was in this <laughs> No, movie. absolutely right. not. Yeah. I can't believe they got him to agree to this, is the big thing. And I'm glad he did. I heard it took a lot of convincing, but yeah, he was pretty much the only person that I was okay with doing this. Yeah. And I think, like, Nate, another word I would use aping off of what you said with charisma, it's it's magnetism more than anything. Because I do think there is a little bit of an implication with charisma that it's charming. Whereas mm -hmm. you just can't stop watching him even if you're disgusted by him and even if yeah. you just like cannot believe some of the things that he's doing. Sure. It's kind of like that, you know, that car crash um, comparison. Like you can't look away. There are some moments where I'm like, I... I am so uncomfortable and there's I'm not going to blink. I'm going to yeah. keep watching whatever he does next. And I think like I agree with you guys when I'm thinking about it more and more. I think the technical aspects of this movie are really strong. The production design is awesome. Like just how Gotham City looks, how grimy so, and, yeah. yeah, grimy and like it looks like a city that has a big trash strike going on. It does. The yeah. cinematography is good. The score is really strong. All of that stuff worked. 
but I had issues with the story and I had issues with the tone and those are really really important yeah I definitely I definitely agree on the story aspect it it all just kind of felt flat like when you have a story like this where you are already going into the movie with your impression of who the Joker is to you you know you know the Joker is a bad guy and this movie sold itself on being an origin story or at least a version of an origin story but when it comes to arcs i didn't really get anything out of his really? character he started pretty bad yeah um they they don't waste any time telling you yeah this is a mentally unstable person i agree but he doesn't start bad I, no i disagree he starts happy I disagree. No, he starts happy and upbeat. No. He has a he, positive view on the world. He does not, I don't think. But okay. No. I think he does more or less, yeah. All right, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, we'll okay. get there. Yeah. My impression, like he started off definitely wrong foot forward, already was in this dark place. Rather than like an arc of a character, he was just like a straight line down. Like how low can this person go? And there's definitely characters like that 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 works yeah uh i liked your example of fight club and stuff like that but it's hard to relate to that as an audience and it's hard to stay engaged with that because you just know it's going to keep getting worse because that's yeah. what the movie keeps feeding you and i need to I, there needs to be some sort of engagement there i'm not saying the movie needed to be funnier or smiley mm-hmm. or like needed to make the joker more sympathetic than he is because he's not sympathetic he's a yeah. serial killer um, but I feel like this needed more of a soul than what I saw. And yeah. I know this is vague and very up in the air kind of talk, but it's it's really hard to put my finger on why I didn't connect with this movie. And I think it really has to do with just the type of this movie that this is. Yeah, so that, That's where I'm finding this such an interesting movie to discuss because there are critics who thought it was brilliant and there are critics who thought it was awful. There are general people who thought it was disgusting and despicable. There are people who are fascinated by it. I saw recently a psychologist posted his take on it on Facebook, and he thought it was really interesting. Like, critics are mixed on this. People are mixed on this. All kinds of people are all over the place for this movie. It's so interesting. Yeah. Nate, let me WWE tag team in for you here a little bit and kind of go off (laughs) of what you're saying. Like, we're forming the arms of the Megazord, and we need someone to be the middle. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of had a feeling this would happen. I just think I agree with everything you're saying, and I think the reason that that the story doesn't connect is because the movie is so relentlessly over-the-top and grim. Like, you need a little bit of levity. Like, Fight Club is another good example. I'm not trying to go back to stuff, but the movie invites comparisons to movies like Fight Club and Taxi Driver. It does, absolutely. Especially Taxi Driver. Which are dark movies— but they have moments of lightness and comedy and realism and real people. This movie is so relentlessly mean down to all the supporting characters except for one exception who is not even a character at all, and we'll get into that in spoilers. But if the goal is to make a movie that is nihilistic and nasty and dark, then it it achieves that. But what's the point? Like I don't think we're learning anything. I don't think the deeper meaning works in any kind of sense for me because this movie just exists in its own little bubble where it just doesn't work except for just to point out how terrible and shitty the world can be sometimes. Like, okay, what else are you saying about that? Nothing else gets across for me because it is so focused on being so mean-spirited. You know, I think that puts it into a better way than I was trying to do (laughs) My biggest criticism, I guess, just boils down to what is the point you're trying to make. Yes. Because there's lots of memes. We live in a society is the meme of this movie, you know? But that isn't a story in its own. Yeah. I agree. I think a with a better director and more of a driven home point, this may have guided more people into a positive territory. But I think it's I think it kind of plays both sides of the coin, especially to the end, which we will get into spoilers, but for me, it was just a, a portrayal. And, and so a lot of people have the idea of nature versus nurture, where this movie was, or it was really in the favor of nurture. So I disagree with you guys that he was already a bad guy. He had goals, aspirations. He was he followed his mother's advice of smile, put on a happy face. Like he was, he his life was in a bad place, but he had goals and had dreams and aspirations and, you know, was playing with the, the little kid on the bus and people are just mean to him. He, he started relatively happy and was just beat and beat and beat. And you're supposed to sympathize with him at first, 
But toward the end, you're supposed to just understand how he got there and not necessarily relate and sympathize with his actions. We uh, all know murder is not okay. Rational people understand that. But we understand how he got there, and then we realize, wow, that's terrifying. Let's do better. Yeah. I think we need to I think we need to dive into spoilers because we're towing the yeah, line. Yeah, it sounds about that. We're towing the line, <laughs> and you almost went over there, I think. It was close. Well, but, we know Joker murders people, so that's not a spoiler. I mean, yes, but—, but so let's get into our ratings here. If you're just joining us for the first time, we operate off of the seat scale, and it goes like this. If we think a movie is amazing, it has almost no flaws whatsoever, we give it a royal throne. If a movie is great and we think it has minor flaws but ultimately is absolutely worth recommending, we give it a plush recliner. If a movie has some major flaws but we still think it's worth your time, at least for the discussion, we give it a wooden seat. The inverse of that, if we think a movie is not worth your time, because it has so many problems, but there are a couple of nice little nuggets in there. We give it a damp lawn chair. And if a movie has no redeeming qualities whatsoever, we give it a sleazy outhouse. And if we think the movie is worth seeing in a theater or on a big screen, we give it a little uh, bag of popcorn moniker right next to it. It's a little extra for you. Jake, since you were getting the ball rolling, why don't you give your rating here? Um, I agree it's not a perfect movie, and I, I don't think it's outstanding. Uh, with a better director, it could have been something a little bit even better, but I really, really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a pretty high-end plush recliner, and if you do want to see this movie, I think a theater experience uh, with a good audience would benefit from you. So, I mean, now it's a little late. It's been out for a month, but I would say bag of popcorn. Um, yeah, I liked it. I'm going to say plush recliner, worthy of your time, if you can handle dark, gritty, violent kind of stories. If you can't, def not for you. Like, my mom should not watch this, but generally, if you like movies like that or you can handle it, I would recommend it. All right, Nate, what'd you think? Despite my earlier criticism about the story i still think this is it had a vision of what it wanted to be and i just don't agree with the vision so therefore it's kind of middle of the road for me i'm gonna go a wooden seat on this one again joaquin is amazing in the role that he's given set design music all this other stuff is very competently done the rest of the movie doesn't live up to the rest of those expectations so middle of the road for me i'm gonna compare this a lot to your taxi drivers and your night crawlers. At the end of the day, I'm just not high on those movies. I think they're well done, but I just don't connect with them. And this had the exact same vibe for me. I'm just, I'm not this type of person. That's true. You are a good morning sunshine kind of guy. So I am a good morning sunshine <laughs> kind of guy. Uh, so yeah, middle of the road, wooden seat for me. A night crawler is a really good one. I didn't think of that. And that kind of helps me drive my point home too, I think a little bit. Night crawler is a very similar movie to Joker in how it handles its protagonist, where you kind of look at him as a bit of an alien, but it's different in tone because I, I genuinely think that Joker, and I'll get into why, but I think Joker wants you to sympathize with Arthur at points. Tone, tone, tone is the point that I'm going to continue to hammer home, and it will continue to hammer home into spoilers, and made this kind of a mixed bag for me. Joaquin is incredible. You need to support him. I think him alone makes this a wooden seat, <laughs> but... I don't. I think you need to see it for the discussion as well if you haven't seen it already because people around you will be talking about this for months. I mean, I saw it a second time two days after I saw it originally, and I liked it a little bit more. But overall, I, I can't say that I liked this movie. I appreciate some things it does, but overall, it didn't work for me, really. I'm glad it's interesting at least. So it's a wooden seat, probably be like wood stolen from an orphanage because the Joker's a jerk. <laughs> so let's get into spoilers here because while there isn't a lot to say plot-wise per se, there's a lot of moments that I think will build arguments. Whoa! Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Excuse me, spoiler alert! All right, so let's start off with Joker's turning point. Um, happens, I want to say, in the first 15 minutes of the movie where there's three guys bullying him on the subway. No, I think this is more midpoint. I don't think that was 15 minutes. I think it's half hour. I don't think it's midpoint, but I think it's end of first act. Yeah, okay. maybe there. Whatever. <laughs> it's early in the movie is what I was trying to get at. And in self-defense, admittedly, kills three people on the subway who are antagonizing him. And that's like the turning point. And that's when the Joker becomes an item in his own universe right. where other people are paying attention to him. And he gets like that adrenaline rush of like, wow, 
I'm important. I made a difference. He starts his real descent into darkness. Maybe part of my bias is that I assume that that was much earlier in the movie. But, like, right there is where the movie is asking you to take a stand with the Joker. Do you sympathize with him as someone who is trying to save his own life? Or is he a complete psychopath for killing these people pretty gruesomely? Like, he could have just killed one or shot one. But, like, he goes all in and he multiple runs after the dude, right? Yeah. And runs after him. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think makes it pretty darn clear that that right there is the sign that you should not be rooting for this guy. Right. See, he even lost me five to ten minutes before when he's stalking Zazie Beats. Yes. Very creepy. Right. Very What creepy. I disagree yeah. with is I think the movie is, until the end, is a lot of great points. We're just getting it from the bad guy. We're not getting it from the good guy we're not getting it from Batman. We're getting it from the bad guy who falls and succumbs to all this terrible stuff. So, like, I think we've all been in a position where, you know, whether it be in grade school or you just have a really bad day at work, like, you want to take your anger out on somebody. If somebody could be so mean to you, you want to beat the hell out of them, but you don't because you realize that's not the right thing to do and you take the high road. This is the scary version of taking the low road. So we can understand where he's coming from, but then we, we kind of fear and go wow this is how bad it can get i think the movie gets elevated for me toward the end where he's on um murray franklin's talk show because for me that's where you get both sides of the story in my opinion yeah fun role for robert de niro by the way Mm. yeah like this movie is not a feel-good movie you're not supposed to walk out of here going wow that was so that was so interesting it was like oh god yeah (laughs) absolutely that was i mean that was mm. brutal because they give you the side of the low road and it goes that way because it's a Joker story. It's not a made-up character that somebody decided to write. It's a Joker origin, so he's going to end up the villain. It's his portrayal. Yeah. I don't think Nate and I were expecting this to have a happy ending or anything like that. No, no <laughs> definitely not. I think my biggest thing, just thinking back to that specific scene, it kind of encapsulates a lot of what I'm feeling. This movie's fucking corny at points. Like, these douchey stockbroker characters, like – straight out of a cartoon they are like a bad guy that batman would run into there's no nuance anywhere else in the movie besides arthur there's no nuance anywhere everybody's an asshole except for zazie beats and she's dead or not dead a ghost for most of it right Mm -hmm. and i agree there and every other character that's not joker or maybe one or two other people is very very 1D, 2D kind of character. Yeah. And that's a problem for me because this is supposed to be like trying to relate to realism and, you know, and like trying to ground its themes in our society. And it's like, well, this is not how real life is like. There are people with good things about them and bad things about them. Not everybody is a cartoon character. And not everyone is out to get you in particular. Exactly. I like yes. I live in New York and. <laughs> And the biggest characteristic about this city, in my opinion, is that nobody cares about anybody else. Like, <laughs> like they are just trying to get from point A to point B. Yes. I feel like Gotham as a city in this movie is portrayed as, like, angry red eyes everywhere you walk. I agree. Literally every interaction you have has to be negative. That, that's a good point. You know, this movie could really 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 benefit from they don't have to be major characters they don't just like a person he walks by in the street that just happens to be a good guy more people like this the little person Mm -hmm. who was genuinely kind to him or even just ignore him like it seemed like everyone passing him by was going to assault him or call him a name or something like yes absolutely yeah it was it was so much i think that's kind of what it was what it was getting at though like now i agree because that's not realistic so we can't relate to that because I've I've never experienced a quarter of the things this guy has gone through. Yeah. But every basically every scene is tailored to beating this guy down to his wit's end, and the result is really, really terrifying. When we say realistic, we're not expecting story beats to realistic. Like a guy takes a gun on a talk show and just sits there with it. Like that like that would never happen in real life. But that's fine as far as the context of the plot of the movie. We are talking about this movie is very interested in saying things about mental health in our society saying things about cynicism and violence in our society well okay that's all well and good but this is not our society this is a dystopian society that exists on its own so that point doesn't translate for me it doesn't Mm -hmm. interesting point because it is 
over the top, but I think because it's a Joker movie, it had to be over the top. And I guess that's where the line ends up becoming, at least for, for us, where where for me, society is rough and a lot of people don't have sympathy and or, or empathy for people who, who struggle. Like people get bullied all the time. People get beaten all the time. Nobody cares if you have issues until you come out, again, not justifying it, not saying it's right, but until somebody commits a mass act of violence and all of a sudden they get the attention. And I actually want to pivot to the, the end of the movie because I think that's where it was elevated for me. His really just the, the talk show and afterwards. So he shoots Murray Franklin on his show. But I think Murray Franklin has one, or is Robert De Niro, has one or two lines that really, really sat well with me. I understood both sides of their dialogue. So where Joker is saying, nobody thinks about the little guy. Everybody's so mean to each other. Everybody's yelling and fighting all the time. Nobody cares or whoever's down. Nobody wants to help each other. Everybody's just rough and ruthless and there needs to be a change. And he's right. Violence isn't the answer. And Murray Franklin says, that's a lot of self-pity you're wallowing in there. And he's also right. If you're just going to sit there and talk about how society sucks and your life sucks because of how wrong society is, yeah, you're not going to find an answer. You're not going to get anything out of it. Life is really, really rough sometimes. You're the only one who can change your life. Now, yes, he was beaten down by insane circumstances. And we're supposed to sympathize with him there, but then we're supposed to fear him with what he does at the end. Like, I would never go on a talk show and kill somebody because my life sucks. That's yeah. where he's the Joker and he's the monster. But we understand how he got there. And if people were nicer to him and kinder to him, even just a little bit, maybe this movie would have ended differently in a hypothetical scenario. I like that story, but the one that we got on screen was just a touch different. Yeah. And I think a lot of it stems, I think, from the mental health aspect of it that I felt wasn't really addressed properly. When you look at the big picture, this character, Arthur, most of his problems stem from the fact that he has this condition. And it's revealed that the reason he has this condition mm -hmm. is because he was abused Ugh, by Nate, his mother. Nate, we're forming the legs now. We're forming the legs. <laughs> forming the legs. And he was abused um, by his father. And his mother had, like, these psychotic visions. And he was adopted as a part of these psychotic visions. So a lot of his problems are stemming from his mother and not from the society that we've been trying to understand this whole movie. You I'm know? so excited right now. Ugh. Right. But he wasn't he wasn't a monster until until he got mugged, beaten, fired from his job, which was partly his fault. But I think that's just a lot, a, a lot of his fault. A lot of his that's fault. just the point that we don't agree about. Because first of all, that's the very beginning of the movie. Isn't it? That's in the beginning, but he also he's also made publicly mocked by his hero Murray Franklin. Which, if he had kept his job and not been publicly mocked, he may have not turned to anything and just had mother issues. But the combination sits there. Uh, he had already murdered people by then, though, hadn't he? Yeah, but that was but that was from society beating him and and mugging him, and he didn't know about his mother until halfway through. See, I don't agree with that. I I don't. This movie. If it wants to say that society molded him into the monster he is, fine. It completely undercuts that for me when it reveals that he was, like, abused as a child. Like, completely mm. undercuts that specific part of the theme. And that abuse stemmed from his mother's mental illness and not his own mental illness. Right. Which, again, we were trying to understand through the course of the movie. You know? So why make that big twist so central to who this character was in, like, a gotcha moment as opposed to us learning the city and learning his himself. Right. Why does his mother need to be such a huge part of his identity? And this is where, like, little, little, little tweaks, I think, could have made this way better. Like, mm -hmm. you take that out. The mother stuff? It works a lot better for me. The mother stuff. Yeah, and the Thomas Wayne stuff, like, oh, maybe he's yeah. actually Thomas Wayne's son. Like, that was dumb. Yeah. That was I dumb. didn't love the Thomas Wayne stuff either. I think they could have gotten across the the rich have it better than the poor without making it Thomas Wayne because then that kind of affects Batman and I didn't love all the Thomas Wayne stuff either. I'm with it you can, there. It can still be Thomas Wayne. Don't make it like a family soap part of it. Like just make mm -hmm. him a figure you see on the TV but then you don't have yeah. much of a movie I guess. Yeah, I mean I guess that's building a rivalry between Joker and Batman but I still didn't, I didn't love that aspect of it either. I yeah. thought that could have been done differently. I guess the society is what, because that's what he seems to, to focus on when he's on the Murray Franklin show. I guess the mother thing, I guess that is a little bit overkill. They could have taken it out and it still would have worked. But that 
that kind of felt like the straw that breaks the camel's back. Like his mother was his only support system. And when he finds out that was all a lie, he's just, that's But it. he kills her. Like, that was his only support system, and he kills her. But I think that's when he becomes fully okay with with everything in my life sucks. I don't care. I'm going to start murdering people. I, I mean, I buy that as the point fun. when he completely snaps inside of the plot. I'm just saying it was kind of a – it wasn't really yeah. a stable pillar to go up on. Circling all the way back for me because I want I do want to talk about that scene with Murray Franklin. I, that was one of my – the pinnacle scenes for me. It's a perfect example to me of show don't tell. Because those kind of themes could have been laced throughout the movie if the movie was less in your face and it was much more nuanced and subtle and it had these characters that kind of provided something for the darkness to play off of. Like Murray just saying that, like this guy's been a dick the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Like him to kind of try to play that card, it's like, nah, dude, you kind of suck too. Like, am I supposed to be sympathetic to what you're saying? Get off your high horse too. If we had seen Murray be like a actual person before that, it would have worked better for me. So for me, I guess you had to imagine a little bit because because Joker calls him out on it. You 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 brought me on the show to make a mockery of me, and that's that's cruel. And he's absolutely right. That's he's that's right. Awful. He is. That's yeah. absolutely awful. So Joker calls him out and t- and calls him an asshole or a terrible person, whatever. And Murray goes, "You don't know me. You don't know anything about me." And he's right. But where you're right is that would have been better if we saw him maybe taking care of his own family and looking to pay bills. Because we know he's getting Joker on to get views and that'll get him money. So if he's struggling with getting his you know, medical bills or you know, kids through school or something like that, where we can sympathize with him a little bit and we get both sides of that coin. Yeah. Instead, we just hear him say, well, you don't know anything about me. And technically he's right. We just know what his sin is, which is bringing the Joker on to make fun of him. Yeah. yeah. At the risk of pissing off Jake here, like, oh, <laughs> do it. good start. Yeah. When we got to this scene in the movie, I felt like I had kind of checked out. I feel like the movie had already made its points. People suck. The main character sucks. Everyone that he interacts with sucks. And it was just such a dark picture of everything. We needed to have the pushback because we as an audience know that the Joker is not a role model in the scenario. No, he's not. All. Yeah. Um, so you needed to have him make his grandstanding speech about we live in a society and you needed to have the pushback of like, you're actually just insane. And it just felt so preachy to me at the end that I kind of just checked out. Oh, really? I love the ending. Mm. We finally understood both sides. I wasn't checked out because I thought the execution of the last 30 minutes was okay. Like it was tense and there were some yeah, shots. Like I said, the, the technical stuff was keeping me in it. I got more out of the cab ride after the fact where Joker mm, was like yeah. looking at the city that he'd created and like loving that chaos than him telling us like what his ideas were. I got more of him smiling at the destruction rather than telling us society's not worth saving. Yeah. You know? That was one of the final points I, I wanted to bring up where I think it does kind of have a message because his entire he he says this himself and he wanted to be seen and heard and he said his whole life he felt like nobody he's never been seen nobody's listening to him but now that he killed somebody on live television and he's violent and he's made himself known people are listening so he was never empathized with his entire life nobody cared for him they were mean to him but now that he's rash and he's violent and people relate to that the lesson he's learning it's not the correct lesson the lesson he's learning is that violence is getting me the attention that I'm looking for. So what is he going to keep doing? He's going to be violent still. We need to be empathetic with people before they get violent, and we need to show them that violence is not the answer. The more attention we give to violence, the more mentally ill people like Joker are going to think that's the norm. And I think that's what they were getting at. He's Nobody empathizes or cares for him the entire movie, but all of a sudden he's violent and he's got a cult following. That's not okay. Yeah, but he's a violent person in a world that's almost exclusively violence is my big thing. And like I said, when we're talking about, like, Arthur himself, Joaquin is just so freaking good. Like, how he's laughing on the offbeats when he's at the comedy club. Like, I thought that was yeah. so, <laughs> so like, chilling. Like, that was more chilling than, like, any of the actual stuff that he did later in the movie. Mm. It's a movie bereft of comedy. It doesn't have any really funny moments, I don't think, except for the little person trying to open the door. Thank yeah. you. Like, that was yeah, good. I, I didn't took really... the words right out of my mouth. That was the only laugh out loud moment in my theater. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of a small gripe I had, too. The the lack of comedy other than 
making fun of like like you know small people or little people or whatever. I'm like, that's so cheesy and lazy. You can do better than that. You directed The Hangover. See, I actually like that was one of the only moments I really liked. But it were like completely on different that wavelengths. Felt like it, it was dark. Joker, yeah. It was yeah, it was dark <laughs> humor and like something that the actual Joker would do. Well, yeah, the the scene I liked, but I felt like the only attempted humor was the big fat guy making fun of the the small guy. And I'm like, that's the, that's the only humor you have for a Joker movie. You could do something else. Mm. The bleakness, man, across the board. All right, let's start to wrap up here. Nate Longarini, give me your final thoughts here on Joker. You need some sort of contrast. You need a, a light to cast shadow on something, and this movie was just all black. So not my type of film, period. And I think even as one of these, like, anti-hero, uh, dark psychological movies, it's still just okay. Joaquin Phoenix is amazing, but the rest of the movie doesn't live up to his level of hype. So, middling for me. I wanted it to be better, and I'm glad it's a different take on a superhero movie, because we have so many of them. you got to make them different somehow. Mm -hmm. And it's a good attempt, but not a solid landing for me. All right, Jake. Fair way to put it. Um, And I really liked it. I thought it was... I thought it was a worthy portrayal and I don't know that it's like some people think it's strictly just pro-violence and I disagree. I think it's a worthy portrayal of an iconic villain, but I also think it's just a take on society and mental illness and a really, really interesting one that if you can handle dark and violent, um, I think it has some stuff to say. Uh, and I'm glad that we finally got around to this because I've, I'm typically not the outlier and here I clearly am. This was fun. It's a good time. <laughs> There are huge gaps about this movie that we just have not been able to cover. Like, we haven't been oh, able to yeah. talk We'd about it at all. Forever. We didn't talk about Zazie Beetz really at all. A very yeah. talented actress who I think was kind of wasted here. Same thing with Brian Tyree Henry. He's in this for, like, barely any time. We didn't even talk about the whole comedy sub- subjective part and all the rabble-rousing that Todd Phillips has kind of caused before the movie came out. We just don't have time. Yeah. It boils down to this for me. I'm just – I'm more frustrated. I don't dislike this movie at all. I actually think there's a lot to – recommend about it i think it's definitely worth seeing i've seen it twice myself i might see it a third time before the end of the year just to make sure i'm concrete on my thoughts before it's over joaquin is fantastic technically it looks awesome i actually enjoyed most of the last 30 minutes but overall if you look at it as a giant grand picture it just there's just a disconnect between what he's trying to do and how he executes it director todd phillips i mean specifically and Mm. i think this is something a scorsese could have pulled off and he actually thought about directing it at some point it's something that a more talented filmmaker could do, and I think overall we're just left – I'm left a little bit of hollowness with a little bit of hollowness here. That will do it for our review of Joker. Boy, that was an exhausting one. They won't all be like this, folks. Thanks for sticking with us. Before we go, Nate Lungarini, where can you find us on the internet? All righty. So here's how you can get in touch with us. Please like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Middle Seats. You can also listen to us on the go on all your podcast platforms, including SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. For questions, comments, and updates on the show, keep an eye on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at The Middle Seats. If you like what you hear and you want to see more content, let us know and spread the word. Thank you guys for joining us this week. We're glad to have you back. I know I speak for both Jake and Nate where I say we're humbled that you listen to us all the time, so thank you for joining us. We have a lot of fun coming up. We've got Star Wars coming up in the next few weeks. We've got Frozen 2 that we might be talking about in passing. Hopefully we just, We've got the, the end of the year. We've got Knives Out. There's a lot of cool stuff coming out. We'll cover as much of it as we possibly can and then pivot to a very successful 2020. For Jake Hensler and Nate Lungarini, I'm Andrew Oje. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon.